This episode, as always, is dedicated to our Hamsterdam level members on our Patreon. You can find them at patreon.com forward slash the wire stripped. They are Calvin Bishop, Wayne Edge, Rachel B, Stian Gielseth, Dominic Tolan, Simon Wiebenus, Paul Simons, Richard Knoll, Eric Weiss, Marcin Mangum, Morgan Tanji, Anders Eriksson, Russell Mowat, Steve Toes, Paul Wallace, and Patrick Burt. Thank you very much. And if you want to join them, do head to patreon.com and type in the wire strips and fill in all the details there. The first time I ever saw it, I was sitting in a friend of mine's home. He was watching the first season and it was unlike, especially the way it was shot. It was unlike anything that I'd ever seen before. So I'm like, what the hell is this? So, you know, and then I see all of these black people on TV. <laughs> that was the other, that was the other thing. And, you know, uh, there was an era where you did see us on TV, but then at a point it kind of died out. Once they together with the WB and things like, and, you know, I didn't see, especially something like that, you know, the grittiness of it. So I was like, what is this? What the hell is this? And he's like, man, this is called The Wire. Hello and welcome to The Wire Stripped. I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And this is the podcast where we watch The Wire over and over again until we get to the end. And we are getting to the end because people ask us that question. Yes, we're going we're gonna to record every single episode. Don't worry. It might take three months. It might several, take three years. decades. It might take 30 <laughs> decades, three decades. We don't know. We'll get to the end, though. Don't worry about that. Life goals. <laughs> uh, and and as it, and if, you, if it's your first time to the show, I don't know why you're jumping into season three, episode nine, but welcome. Uh, uh, what we do here is we interview the cast and the crew and famous fans of The Wire, uh, and we go through it episode by episode. Today, the episode we're looking at is Slapstick, episode yeah, nine. Yeah. Uh, and the key point you missed out there, Dave, is we get some of the voices from you guys, and we'd love to hear from you guys. So if you want to contact us, you can email us at producers at thewirestrip.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at thewirestripped. And listen out to find out how you can feature in the show as part of our burner section. That's right. On with the episode. When you walk through the garden, you got to watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon Walk the straight and narrow track When you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole he got the fire and the fury. Right, hi, Kelby. Hey, how's it going? Good, here we are. We're in the hotel room. Yeah, I see you're getting very, very comfortable there. Yes, I'm quite comfy. <laughs> Just waiting for McNulty to arrive. You're, wait, you're waiting for the booty call arrival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> McNulty totally... He is the booty call. He is the booty in call. In the cold open of this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is when there's like booty calls like a big thing, wasn't it? You just get a phone call and you... Yeah, I'll, I've got the time. <laughs> yeah, let me check my calendar. Uh, is this the height of booty call culture then? I think you, it you was, reckon, yeah. In the early 2000s. This is pre-Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I never experienced because uh, I was fully... Oh, yeah, we've been happily married yeah. for... We, we missed all the good phases. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Booty calls, Netflix and chills. If only I had more time. If only I had a time machine. What do they do these days? Tind- Tinder and... Tinder and Bumble. Tinder and, Bumble. Tinder and sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah, Tinder and sexier. So we're waiting for um, we're waiting for Manolta to, to turn up and seal the deal with Terry D'Agostino. 
Yeah. Oh, I don't uh, like how you said that. No, sorry. <laughs> this is making me really uncomfortable. Yeah, you like saying I don't want to be in this this hotel room with you anymore. <laughs> you like saying hussies. <laughs> yeah, hussies are very Irish. The, the hussy. Yeah, yeah. The hussy Terry Daxton. She's not much of a hussy, hussy though. No, she, no. He's the hussy in this instance. He is, definitely. Yeah, he's been treated like a hussy. He's the cowboy. I, I like how uh, McNulty, the, the tables have turned on him and he's getting yes. a taste of his own booty call medicine. His, well, bo- we, his booty medicine. Should we go straight into this episode? Yeah. yeah. So, right, cold open. Tell us all about it. So uh, we wake up um, on the pillow with, with McNulty, get a phone call from Terry D'Agostino and she's saying, get your ass over here. Are you awake? No, I'm, I'm awake. No, you're not. And he has this kind of like, yeah, a little chat with her. Um, decides to go over to, to honour the booty call. But he steps into his kid's bedroom. He's got his kids. Yeah, he's got his kids there. Guys, uh, all right. I, I'm, a, I'm a father. And <laughs> I'll say that straight up for anyone who doesn't know. This is, this is bad parenting. <laughs> this is what you don't do. You don't leave your kids alone in the house in the middle of the night to go off and have sex with Carcady's campaign manager. What if it wasn't Carcady's campaign manager? What no, if it's, probably nobody. No, probably okay. nobody warrants it, leaving okay. your kids alone. Sure. In a house. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah. It's the act, not the person. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, McNulty. Such a tool. Um, and so he, we see after the aftermath of the deal. No, the, first of all, he wakes his kid up and says, here's my number. You'll be fine. And in a bit of, I don't know, slight good parenting, he just does make sure that his kid understands where where he can get in contact don't, with him. Don't you try and <laughs> go Team McNulty on me, right? This is just unforgivable right. in my in my book. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean obviously obviously there are much worse parents than McNulty. Sure. But this is very bad. Okay. This is a this is a low. A yeah, low. Very low. From McNulty. Okay. Jimmy, don't do this again. But also unsurprising. At least he's consistent. We've seen what he's what he's <laughs> capable of in previous seasons. Yeah. I mean previously he sent his kids off to um to tail yeah. Stringer Bell yeah, in the middle of a follow. busy market. Yeah, exactly. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know where his heart's at, or his, you know, accoutrement in this case. <laughs> accoutrement. <laughs> um, Put an explicit language warning on this episode. We have accoutrement. <laughs> and we have, yeah, so he, he goes and he seals the deal. Sorry, other terminology, which is not that uh, tasteful. Such a sexy episode. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, instead of Terry kicking him out, this time he says, I need to honour my... I need, I've got my kids, so I've got to go back there. Yeah. So, so he's thinking about them. Stop, George, stop <laughs> trying to defend him. <laughs> this is not good parenting. I don't, care, okay. I don't care how quickly he got back there. You don't sure. leave them for a minute. Okay. You don't, okay. You don't leave your dog in a, in, a, in a car with the windows rolled up on a hot day just as much as you don't leave your kids in two... Uh, rackety ass bunk beds in the middle of the night <laughs> while you go off and sh- shag a, 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 a hussy a very high a very high up hussy in the political world <laughs> okay guys don't do that um, so he Manolte's kicking himself out because he wants to go back to his kids um, but also he's kind of you can see he's like I kind of like you or it, I think he sees a good thing with her he is smitten isn't he yeah but he's been smitten for episodes now. Yeah. Like, this is what... I li- I kind of like this character journey from McNulty because, you know, previously we've seen him, um, you know, with BD. With BD, it was it was something he was genuinely exploring. With yeah. Rhonda, she was his booty call. Yeah. And in this instance, the, he, it's very much he's infatuated with her and she has little interest in him. And it's, maybe that's what's fueling his that's the, Yeah, the power, the power dynamics have changed. Yes. And when we, we see McNulty leave here, he asks for a date. 
for a lot of the episode, he's trying to call her. He can't get in, he can't get in touch with her. And in the previous episodes, we had um, he got Prez to get her number. A bit, a bit of dodgy dealings there. He got yeah. a number anyway. But he's, he's calling her a few times. We see it through the episode. Finally, she returns the call and they arrange to have dinner. I mean, besides getting into the particulars around, you know, um, the wire and gender, you know, where people have rightly criticized the show for gender representation. This is the voice of Dr. Russell Mowat, who is a professor at Indiana University and actually teaches a course about the wire. I think embedded in that people also are missing the, the, the dimensions of gender and class. And what you see is, while you see you know, McNulty being taken down a peg or two by um, by, 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 Ter- by by Teresa's sort of actions, um, there's a class dynamic happening between the two of them. Um, you know, Teresa does not see herself as part of the working class. She sees herself in the aspiring middle class. And while McNulty is a police officer, which means... Income wise, he's in the middle class. You know, he comes from a family of, you know, working class laborers. He makes the point to to Kima, you know, saying that, you know, she looks, you know, straight fucking through me, you know, Kima. And and to me, it's a great line that actually speaks. Yeah. On one hand, you can if you get caught up into just thinking about McNulty as just like this macho male figure, it's like his hurt feelings as a man. But I didn't. I didn't hear it as that. I heard it as um, because he's talking to Kima. I heard it as um, how um, the aspiring class really doesn't see everyday people as important. They're just stepping stones. This is one of the most cringy dinners I've oh, ever seen in my entire life. It's awful. Um, but I like. I like. I like this scene as well because yeah. it it highlights that all they kind of had was. Um, physical attraction sure. and sexual chemistry, yeah. right? Because when they, when they, when when all that was stripped away, because that was the only interactions they'd had previously, then they're they're just too there's different. N- there's nothing, aren't they? They are from they're from literally different worlds. I mean, the fact that he didn't vote for anyone in the in the last general election in the states was enough for us to go loser. That's also disappointing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> McNulty is so disappointing <laughs> on so many levels, but the, they, yeah, it's. I mean, that, that's why. You know, that's why The Wire is so good, because it presents us this 360 um, view of one city in yeah. which there are layers. And uh, D'Agostino's just on a different plane to McNulty, yeah. who's on a different plane to... Well, actually, no, he's on the same plane as Stringer Bell and Avon. Pretty if much, anything, yeah. he'd have more to talk about going to dinner with um, with, with Stringer Bell. With B&B Enterprises. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Way more. So then, yeah, so above Stringer Bell, you have um, Sense Clay Davis... Yeah. So that's, exactly, that's the and you of, yeah. see them. It's the same thing. It's yeah. the, it's the exact same comparison. Yeah. You see, Clay Davis and Stringer Bell are on different planes of existence. Mm-hmm. Stringer Bell is trying to sort of break through that ceiling. Yeah. Um, and McNulty, <laughs> McNulty's kind of knocking at that ceiling with, with D'Agostino, <laughs> but he has no interest in breaking through, no. really, and and can't. And we see that. You know, there's a lovely moment in this episode where in that cold open, he's in her hotel room or wherever wherever she is, and she's watching that political debate. Yeah. Then he goes back to his kids, and then he turns on the political debate. And he's like, that's him making an effort to change. Yeah. And, and we've seen change 
as a as a common theme throughout this season and trying to change and evolve or change yourself or your your surroundings. But he gives up almost immediately <laughs> and just puts on a, a World War Two documentary, like, which I is what do he this. wants to watch. I can't fake this. <laughs> exactly. But that's what's that's what's so great about Magnolty as well is that he knows who he's one of the most self-aware characters in many ways he knows exactly who he is mm. his place in the world and what he's good at um and he focuses on those things and and is determined and doesn't let anyone in his environment stop him from achieving those goals see how small his world is when um you see his interactions with uh teresa um, who's, who's working with Carchetti. This is the voice of Andy Brassel, who is one of the hosts of the Football Ramble and On the Continent podcast and is a huge fan of The Wire. Because in that situation, you know, what does he know best about? He knows about uh, proper police work, uh, capital P, capital P, capital W, and he knows about drinking and womanising. And yet, in this situation... Maybe because in Teresa he's he's met a match on some sort of level. He's sort of outed as kind of uncultured by by her, and you know he's he's on a level where he's just all at sea, intellectually punching well above his weight, and all his McNulty powers just kind of fade into nothing with her really, and she just picks him up and drops him down wherever she wants. So the next scene we have, um, it's a Sunday and McNulty comes into the offsite and lo and behold, Freeman and uh, Prez are there saying, oh, we're just doing this on this Sunday. But I kind of get the feeling they've done this before. They're there just on a Sunday, uh, Prez and Freeman anyway, just hanging out because I think they just enjoy the time together yeah. and doing this stuff. Um, I mean, we've, we've got a glimpse of Lester's life outside of the, that room occasionally yeah but, but like really it's hard to imagine any of them outside of that setting no exactly yeah certainly not freeman certainly not uh, prez and i'm very surprised that this is the first time uh, minulty's come across them when they're both when or every single one of them shouldn't be in that office yeah um and this leads to like minulty going off on one saying you know we're the best and we're the best of the best maybe there's five people in the entire world that can do exactly what we do um, and there's a reduction of McNulty's high there where he's saying he's bigging himself up here. But then when he faces, I say faces, when he has dinner with uh, Teresa D'Agostino later on, he's all peacocking about this big drugs case and she does not give one iota of a shit. Yeah. So in his world, he's the big, you know, the daddy Mac. But in her world, he certainly is not that in any way, shape or form. No, it's beneath her. Yeah. It's, she has no well, interest. Drugs. It's it's low level. Yeah. Um. And, and, goes, and, and that's how str- that's how Stringer Bell is starting to treat that world as well. Mm. He's got no interest in the corners anymore. No. And it's the same with D'Agostino. It's just once you get to that level, you forget about everything that's going on underneath. And that's also why the political world isn't working mm. in Baltimore. And we see that. Yeah. We see crime reductions. Bunny's getting results. Um, but Mayor, Mayor Royce doesn't care. He doesn't care about the little guy. No, not at all. Um, one thing I want to point out here is that one of the, in that tarot that McNulty says, which is an excellent piece of dialogue, so we'll, we'll interject it about here. Catching calls, chasing quick clearances, keeping everything in the shallow end. I mean, who is there out there can do what we can do with a case? How many are there, really? Don Warden, Ed Burns, Gary Childs out in the county, John O'Neill and Steve Clary over at Woodlawn. Oh, they bring it in, but there's not many. There's not many. 
We're good at this, Lester. In this town, we're as good as it gets. So one of the people he mentions as other detectives that he respects is Ed Burns. He says in the in this yeah in yeah yeah the co-creator of this show yeah fantastic a uh, little call out there not this show uh, <laughs> he does <laughs> yeah Ed the, what, do you, the, what do you think about the this wire bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah surprise guys Ed Burns has been making the wire strip and there's a great bit of interaction here with Freeman and McNulty uh, again it's t- a knockout scene isn't just it? taking him down a peg or two yeah, but he deserves it absolutely yeah 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 once again I mean Freeman as 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 cocksure as um mcnulty is freeman can see through anyone's bullshit yeah freeman is just like he'll see he's just laser focused wisdom <laughs> isn't it i mean he's just absolutely he's just genius this is this is one of my favorite scenes yeah it is and, the, and this is the dialogue is never sharper than it is in 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 this scene it's a beautiful example tell me something jimmy how exactly do you think it all ends what do you mean a parade, a golden watch, a shining Jimmy McNulty day moment when you bring in a case so sweet everybody gets together and says, oh, shit, he was right all along. We should have listened to the man. The job will not save you, Jimmy. It won't make you whole. It won't fill your ass up. I don't know. A good case. Ends. They all end. The handcuffs go click and it's over. And the next morning, it's just you in your room with yourself. Until the next case. Boy, you need something outside of this here. Like what? Dollhouse miniatures? Hey, hey, hey. A life. A life, Jimmy. You know what that is? All right, let's check in with Daniels and Rhonda, Mm -hmm. who are doing their best to hack these burner phones it's, but it's proving difficult and understandably so yeah you just you the whole concept to me apart from the fact it sounds it's environmentally like ridiculous you buy the fact you buy a phone for a temporary piece of like for two or three months and you, you chuck it i still can't believe this was ever a thing no it's this wasn't a thing it's here a, right? it's abhorrent I, i'm sure it was but maybe yeah. at a lower level but the fact that you, you people actually did this there's you know there's toxic metals there yeah no wonder our environment is fucked. fucked yeah, because of burners and the wire. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the fact, you know, the, the amount of effort they went to in season one to get up on these pages, and it took time, and those networks were well established. The fact that they can get up on these burners for three or four days, five days, two weeks max, and then cast them away is ridiculous. And for the go- for for the major crimes unit to even think about doing that is insane. But they're yeah. trying anyway. Yeah, but they're hitting severe um, roadblocks from the cell companies yeah. themselves. Which I, and I think it's an interesting scene where Daniels and, and, and Perlman visit the, this, the, the head of this company and are just stonewalled um, to a degree that on one hand was sort of encouraging when looking back. I mean, we're, we're now living in a, in a day, in a, in a time of our privacy being swapped around left, right, and center. Yeah. And it feels like uh, any government can have access to anything they want at any time. Yeah. So to see to see these roadblocks being put in yeah, place yeah. is somewhat encouraging. However, Perlman makes the excellent point that the, you know, and, the, and, a, and a fair threat that they've basically created a product that has allowed 
drug dealers to freely communicate yeah. <laughs> without being monitored yeah. by the police, which is troublesome, <laughs> to say the least. I like the way it kind of goes, no, these, these are for college kids. Um, <laughs> because they can't afford a standard, like, tariff. Like, no. You, of course like, you can. I remember, we, I, you just had to, what, what's wrong with top-up plans? Well, this is it. You just pay. You yeah, pay, pay exactly as you go. What, yeah. That's fine. And then you send, if you run out, when I was in college, you run out of a... Run out of credit. Run out of credit, and then you send someone a call me, <laughs> if you're really stuck. <laughs> or you just ring him, like, yeah. for two seconds, and then ring you back. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, well, we're meeting tonight, guys. Um, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't see it, but then Perman just, she threatens publicity, bad publicity, and he goes, yeah, okay, we can knock it down to four or five yeah. days. I mean, I'm, when when he said that, I was like, "Good," but also, I was like, "Also, that's, you could do better. <laughs> you could do better." But Four it, days. I still don't think that's enough, is it? No, it's not. Even in the best, even even in the best of the best. No, as we'll see, Rhonda's badass in this scene. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah. She's great in this episode generally. Uh, in the next few episodes, we'll, we get more of Rhonda and, and Daniel's dynamic, which is really, really cool. I love them together. Yeah, it's it's great. But it, like, it just fits right, doesn't it? It's such a good fit, isn't yeah. it? They and they've got such. Better chemistry than her and McNulty. Yeah. Like her and McNulty were just a car crash. <laughs> you did not want them to be together. No. Like him showing up drunk at her door, you're like, yeah, through that, girl, through that, you got to get away from this man. Through the eyeglass, he looks like the worst no, person. It's, yeah, it's, it's, horrible. Just, it's just like, no. She's way better off with Daniels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, her job is her life. It was an honor to hear from Deirdre Lovejoy, a.k.a. Rhonda Pillman. And not in a necessarily unhealthy way. I, I think if you allow yourself to be consumed by uh something that is as all-consuming as trying to obtain justice in in the justice system it's going to be all-consuming and i i think um i think finding that sort of band of ragamuffin uh cops and detectives uh that were pursuing sort of something higher was um probably one of the highlights of her life all right, let's get let's get into the let's get into the bit we need to talk about in this episode. Yeah, there's no there's no masking it. Um, President McNulty waiting for their Chinese food. Yeah, and he Prez is. opens up the fortune cookie before eating the food. <laughs> what and kind of maniac just, does that? Just a sin. <laughs> and that's the bit that goes down in wire history. Absolutely. Yeah, Prez's crowning achievement. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, and moments later, he shoots a cop. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That, oh, that's that's probably the bit. Um, let's. God, I, I I forgot this happened. I got to be honest. It's as so, a quick reminder for everyone. This is my second rewatch of The Wire. Sure. After, after like, more than ten years. Yeah. So you know the big details are still there, but and I know where, where Prez goes from here. Mm-hmm. But I totally forgot about this bit. I don't know how, but like. Maybe I've blocked it out of my memory because it's traumatic. How, how this is traumatic. It is. This is like the, the bottom of my stomach gutted. Yeah. When it happens. And it kind of turns into a different kind of episode than when everyone kind of finds out. We find out on the wire, you know, guys in the MCU, uh, Kima and Freeman Daniels find out that he shot a cop. And it's like, what, really? Oh, fucking hell. And we find out the cop's black. Then he goes to then Daniel goes to like console him or like speak to him and everyone in the in the homicide department is there either kind of ridiculing him or saying what a waste of space he was ultimately trying to cover their backs in a way as well and that's that's a tough scene and when Daniels goes into the room 
and tries to smooth things over and tries to get Prez's head in check. Kind of helps out, but then as he's walking out, Prez just says, tell Lester I'm sorry. That's like, I don't know, this, this nearly, like my eyes are watering this kind of stage. It's like, he's so concerned about this partnership he's built up uh, and also must be feeling like, shit, I hope, I really, really respect Lester and really hope he doesn't think I am still this fucking idiot from like two seasons ago. Mm. Um, uh, Jim Trufast is wonderful in this scene. Yeah. Um, it's really heartbreaking. And Lance Reddick is, is wonderful as well. Um, it's tragic. You know, this is Daniel's being a good manager again, mm. right? Or a good, you know, a good sergeant or lieutenant. Lieutenant. Um, he's looking out for his people. And we saw him do a similar thing for Prez in season one when he also fucks up and Daniels fed him lines and what he, you know, and, and there's an element of sort of police corruption and manip- manipulating the, the truth to this, but there's also, it's, it's, um, being loyal to, to your own, to your own mm. and, you know, trying to get the best possible outcome for Prez in a situation which can really spiral very, very badly. I mean, clearly his career is over. He even admits himself, you know, I'm done as a police officer. Well, I think he, he there was potentially a way he could maintain it in some way, shape or form. Um, and I think that's what Daniels was trying to do. And I think he's present internally, just kind of saying, well, this is my rock bottom. I, even in the kind of place I was with Freeman and the rest of the crew, I was doing good work. You see him in proper full-out geek mode early on in the episode with the with the spy camera. Oh yes, and so sad. It's so like, sad when you think of that. To yeah, that. exactly. They laid it. They laid it out. Um, and you get Valtech there trying to say, you know, you'll you'll support him, right? To to Daniels, you'll 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 have his corner. Um, still, yeah, but, he, but Valtech's doing it in a seedy way, yeah, as is. in dot 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 brackets. You're black. Yeah, you're black, and we need you to help. Him. You're you're as commanding officer. You you happen to be black, you yeah. know, so you can you can help him out. Um, I don't think he doesn't there's know that race, There's racism in Valchek's voice. Yeah, there's yeah. that there's that element in there. Um, it takes a big. It take, I, th- I think it's a big step for for Press to say yeah, I'm I'm out. I think that's yeah telling. Um, I I think it's really interesting how this scene and the and the show explores um, racial bias here. Yeah, because it doesn't. The, the show doesn't tend to tackle racism full on no. I, I very rarely does even though it tends to be systemic yeah I mean you know the, we all know the stats the um, more black people are in prison than white prison uh, than white people in Senses, America yeah, yeah. Uh, you, yeah I mean we, we, we see it in this show the mm-hmm. percentage of black faces versus white faces and drug dealers versus police officers yeah you know it's it's um, it, it's all there on the screen but it rarely calls it out but in this situation it's a white man shot a black man or a white cop shot a black cop. Yeah. And it's very present. And suddenly the, suddenly it calls into question and Daniels himself sees the dangers here for Prez and yeah. it kind of acknowledges... I think he knows that there was there is no racial component to here and he sees the danger of what historical context can mean for Prez's... Um, sort of sentencing yeah. in, the, in in this case. But what I thought was really interesting is the line that um, Prez says when Daniels 
asks him about, you know, they, 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 they discuss racial bias. And he says, how am I supposed to know what's in my own head or not? Yeah. Which I think is fascinating. It's very interesting for him in that position to acknowledge his own unconscious racial bias, which, you know, it's a really meaty topic to, to oh, try and, absolutely. To try and yeah, cover. Yeah. And they kind of just do it in in one line and and then throw it away but that's that's what's so good about the wire it doesn't again it doesn't it just poses questions yeah. and more questions and doesn't really give us any solutions but they're very interesting questions i, I think this is another example of the brilliance of the wire um, because we're never shown him shooting we never we don't see the act right we see the after effects of the act we hear the shot and we see mcnulty coming to the scene and and we, but we don't actually see the action uh, happening, and, and I think it's, I think that was done intentionally because it's, it is for us to raise all those types of possible questions. Um, because um, in a brilliant lecture by David Simon, he talks about how um, there's a lot of conjecture that could be made unless people are there and in the moment, um, and it's not to justify police shootings or the violence that are committed, commit, uh, committed by police in any particular way. But what happens in the moment um, can take on so many different sort of um, meanings from those of us who weren't present. Um, but that's where I think the, the point about Derek Chauvin and what happens to, um, of course, George Floyd um, changes that dynamic because it's filmed, it's captured. And so we now see it. Um, so we uh, we assume so many different things about Prez because we think about the entire character character arc up until that moment. He's the idiot. He's the one who also wants to bust heads with Herc and Carver, and you know, in the in the um, in the high rises, in the towers, right? Uh, but then he also then becomes a student of Lester. And he now wants to investigate. He now wants to solve crime and not move up the ladder. He doesn't take the promotion. Um, and so, so we're now given this complete characterization of this officer, right, in a full human way. And it could be any one of those things. What happens with Press Belusky, uh, Press, <laughs> in season three of The Wire is interesting to view now this is the voice of Dave Pickering he's a podcaster and a huge fan of The Wire now uh, the systematic murder of people of colour by the police force is very much in our awareness we're really aware of that it's in the news when I saw The Wire the first time round I am not claiming that the police weren't killing black people at that time but it was not as kind of present in the kind of in, in culture it wasn't so widely talked about so whilst I absolutely did not approve of Prespolisky killing somebody the way I read it when I first saw it was it was more of an indictment of guns than of the police because it was of, of, of a matter of if you 
it's so easy to just move your finger and you've pulled a trigger and you've killed somebody. And like press should not be given guns. But at the time I was like, oh, like, why did he have to go out with McNulty? If he hadn't gone out, like he could have still been working, like doing the good stuff that he can do. And why aren't we playing to his strengths? And isn't it a bad management decision to send him out? All of which now sounds like very, very pathetic excuses defending a racist police officer. But it's complicated because press will do very different things uh, in season four and will continue to challenge uh, our ideas around him. I mean, he is probably one of the characters who who challenges you the most in terms of uh, assumptions in the entirety of The Wire. To the point of just shooting a person because he's black, regardless of what 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 he's wearing, is a psychosis that a lot of white um, um, officers carry. This is a friend of the show, the cool, Lester Smooth, Clark Peters. I know that Presbo, because of, I'm speaking as Freeman, because of our relationship, mm. you know, I know there's a, 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 a bigger heart and, and soul inside that, inside that man. Um, and that a knee-jerk reaction does happen and it has happened mm. you know black cops shoot black cops white cops shoot white cops you know and you know uh, whether undercover or whatever you know it happens but because of the uh, political and racial climate of America at, the, at this point in time that is um, not just this point in time up over the past 400 years um, it's uh, um, it resonates in a different kind of way yeah yeah, um, and I felt sorry for him. You know, Clark felt sorry for him, yeah. as well as um, as well as Freedom, as, as Freeman, thinking like you know, you were uh, you were a loose cannon. You always were a loose fucking cannon. You know, but um, I never expected to be this loose. You know, it's um, every day, every day there's. Every day there's a madness that um, that shows itself yeah. in, a, in an ugly, ugly, ugly way. And then America shows itself in an ugly way as well. So um, it's sad. It really is sad. Let's bring this uh, episode back up a notch in terms of humor. I don't know. <laughs> Demeanor. <laughs> um, we're, we're back with Cutty and he's trying to make a change setting him up his boxing gym and he just seemed putting putting a graft in trying to clear out the space trying to make it look right uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm from the UK guys that well, that sounds terrific <laughs> was that your Baltimore yeah. right? <laughs> oh you slipped right into it there <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let our listeners decide <laughs> whether that was any good <laughs> um, so you know Cody's from the streets he knows boxing he knows how to use guns um, he doesn't know how to navigate bureaucracy. And you see this kind of bouncing back like a pinball between these different desks, these different receptions. He's trying to make this boxing endeavor of his legitimate because ultimately it looks crappy and he needs, it does need papers to make it work. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a heartbreaking scenario. And you see, this is one guy. This, you can see why a lot of people kind of stay on the streets still or stay in a position or can't move from different levels where they're assigned I guess at birth or whatever because they don't know how to play the system or the system doesn't let them like open up doors for them when they're trying to do something that's clearly 
got benefits to a lot of people. Exactly. And even when you're trying yeah. and you're s- determined and single-minded, he has one focus right now, and it's to get a gym. Yeah. The system is doing everything <laughs> it can to make it difficult for him. And and look, this, is, this isn't this is exclusive to Baltimore. It's not exclusive to America. No. We're seeing the same issues with um, infrastructure in this country yeah, yeah. And, and in my country. Uh, this is, you know... It's red tape and bureaucracy and and capitalism and the and the uh, local government just wrapping itself up in 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 uh, paperwork and legislation and blah 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 blah, um, and there these systems are built to sort of provide a foundation and protection for people and businesses, but they don't they're not accessible or accommodating to somebody who doesn't know. You're right, who doesn't know how to work it. Yeah. So and and I think. Again, you can you can compare this to Clay Davis and Stringer Bell. Stringer yeah. Bell's Stringer Bell is doing the same thing that Cuddy's doing. Yeah, but he thinks he's he's latched onto someone who can help him out in the way that Odell Watkins help is helping yes, out Cuddy. Exactly. He well, thinks, exactly. So Odell he, Watkins is Cuddy's um, Clay Davis. Yeah, but Clay, yeah. but Odell Watkins actually wants to help him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just bleed him. Yeah. Dry. <laughs> um, and it's really cool when we see. Uh, the deacon puts him in touch with a local, another reverend, and he kind of says, "Did you use my name?" He's like, "Well, I actually had no idea who you are, so why would I use your name?" Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing you did. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot of the times it is who you know, not what you know, yeah. in this game, and that's 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 the point I was making about he wasn't born into the system where he knows the people to people's you know strings to pull. Exactly, and another hint at the system being yeah. broken. But he does get. Through the deacon, because the deacon sees, you know, a heart of gold and cutty, puts him in the right direction, puts him in front of Odell Watkins. Odell Watkins says, you have my full support, puts him in front of Marla Daniels. And she's like, yeah, I'll help yeah. you out. And they get it sorted. And I'm like, yeah, come on. I love that. Isn't it? It's just, it's just fist pumping stuff, it is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like we as an audience just want Cutty to succeed. Yes. And it is every little victory he has is a huge victory for us. Yeah. And I love seeing Marla Daniels. It's like, don't you love when the when the plots cross over like this? It is. It's great. Yeah. It's- and uh, you know, unfortunately, Daniels and Marla Daniels, um, Cedric and Marla didn't uh, didn't work. But it's still good to see yeah. that she's she's making waves and she's still doing what she wants to do. And I'm like, yeah, good, yeah. great. Um, the wire is so the continuity in the wire mm, is just so it's, impressive. It's suspended, isn't it? Cuddy, um, you know, is just another you know amazingly developed character that comes to his own within season three and in trying to set up this boxing gym that was, you know, sort of initiated in, you know, moral midgetry, you know, he makes the comment, um, not knowing like how to get this started, you know, I'm not used to how y'all regular folks get things done. Right. And so he's introduced to this whole sort of system of favors and personal contacts to get permits clear and so on. And and when you sort of think about it, it's sad because um, that's not legal, right? Like you should be able just to go and fill out a form, you know, or told to where to go fill out a form and get your form reviewed and get your, you know, uh, permit within a reasonable amount of time. So my first introduction to The Wire was in 2006, month six in the police academy of 
a little-known department called the NYPD. We were done with training and were a week away from graduation. Our instructor was a sergeant, and all he cared about was getting promoted to lieutenant. So all he did was study. I remember someone bringing in The Wire, and I was like, what's that? I was told it was the greatest cop show ever. Forward to 2021. I'm about to hit my 15th year with the department, and I've done quite a few things. Uniform patrol, plain clothes work, not really a NACO, detective squad, and now some admin unit. All the seasons hold a special place in my heart, but specifically season three, because it really highlights how the inner workings of the department are despite it being a TV show, as they got a lot of it right. I don't even know what rewatch I'm on, but enough to know that Deserve has nothing to do with it. Thank you very much for that burner message there if you listening want to leave us a burner it's very simple to do uh, send us a voice memo so record it from your phone and send it to burner at the wirestrip.com or go to our social media accounts and you can actually leave us a burner message directly on our burner phone uh, via whatsapp and the numbers there on our instagram and our twitter which is at the wirestrip.com and this week we want to know uh, do you think hamsterdam could actually work in real life and why yeah um and a key thing is, guys, if you want to leave us a burning, want to get to the front of the queue, then there is actually a way to do that. We have a Patreon account, uh, patreon.com forward slash The Wire Strips. Uh, we've talked about it at the top of the show and we're talking about it right now. Uh, and, <laughs> and we'll talk about rewards, it again. We're talking about it again. We're going to talk about it all the time. Um, one of the bonuses uh, or treats is that you get priority burner access. So if you are one of our Patreon members and you leave us a burner, you'll get fast forwarded to the front of the queue and you'll get your voice heard ahead of non-Patreon people that's right and you also get uh the access to the episodes a week before everybody else uh you get to hear the full length interviews with the cast and crew uh so we've just posted uh the one kobe did with uh, uh herc himself dominic uh, lombardozzi um and you get to submit questions uh for future interviews that we do an important part of the patron is that we don't actually take the money. All of the money that we raise via the patrons goes to a charity called the Ella Thompson Fund, which is uh, the charity that's supported by the cast and the crew of the Y, and they help to provide recreational opportunities to kids in lots of Baltimore's kind of uh, underprivileged neighbourhoods. So it's a really, it's a really good charity, and also it ties in nicely with the Y, which is a show that you love um, as much as we do. That's right, and it's patreon.com forward slash the wire strip. I want to say thank you very much to our new co-op members on our Patreon. Uh, they are Dino, Evan Byers, and Martin Copson. If you want to join those guys and get your names read out, then just follow us. Go to patreon.com and search for The Wire Stripped. Thank you very much. All right, let's head over onto the Western District mm. and check in with our friend Bunny. Mm. Bunny's packing up his stuff, isn't he? Yeah, he's ready, to, he's, he's ready to go. He's got his suitcases near the door. One day to retirement. Yeah. <laughs> it's lucky he doesn't get shot. You know when you have a war film and they're talking about what they're going to do when they get home? It's <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just the amount of times he's signposted exactly what he's going to do when he's retiring on a major's pension. I'm like, Bunny, shut up. Stop it, Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so he tells he tells the deacon what his, what his plans are and the deacon reprimands him. He's like, you yeah. set all this shit up and you're going to walk away. I'm like, it's a fair point, actually. It's, it's such a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. You can't... You, like, he's caused such a, a stir in, mm. the, in the community. He's even got the deacon on kind of on board with it. Yeah. Because he wasn't originally. And then he's just like, bowed out. And from our perspective, this is only a few, <laughs> a few episodes. I'm not sure what the time <laughs> yeah, span is that's here. that's true, Maybe actually. it's months or... Um, 
but yeah, you you, you kind of see his point, and I think Colvin appreciates the this, um, and realizes his his sort of what what he's created is bigger than he thought it yeah. was. And we're going back to Amsterdam, we see a dead body on the floor, which is exactly the opposite of what Amsterdam was what was supposed to happen in Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, Herc and Carver, from our point of view, are the first people that we know getting there. There's some, there's some guys and boys in blue that arrive. Herc seems quite unhappy to see it because he kind of sees the, the the walls tumbling down to Amsterdam. He's he's been ready for it to fall down for a while. Yeah. Um, but Carver's got different ideas and tries to actually help his his superior, help Bunny kind of maintain it and move the body. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how they have such different reactions. To yeah. This. And to be fair, they've laid, they've been laying the groundwork for this for a few episodes. Yes. Now. Yeah. Um, but. We see, so yeah, Carver does move the body, um, leaves a blood trail, the shell cake. Like, it's a total mess, obviously. Mm. And then it's the wrong decision, you know, for for good reasons. Yeah. Um, and, and good I think intentions, isn't it? Good yeah. intentions, yeah. Mm. And, that, and I think that's another, this is another moment when Bunny comes down and meets him and sees what's happened. It's a similar thing to him with the deacon, where he's he's realizing the mistakes he's made yeah. in trying to do something good, and in in many ways it is good, but it's not easy. He's broken a lot of eggs, and he's created a situation where people are trying to defend his mess and making more problems as you go. And one really cool thing there is obviously trying to trying to recreate the the free zone, and Bunny puts it out to the local gangs and saying, "Look, I created this space for you." It's all going to go to shit if you don't if you don't hand us like, the shooter. If you don't yeah. if we don't know who the shooter is by the end of tomorrow, this is all going to go to shit for you. All this kind of Las Vegas type casino area that you've, that's been established here is all going to go to pot. And then we see a little side cut to the to the Barksdale organization where they have a discussion. Um, String has a discussion with um, another street member. Can't remember his name. And when it's laid out to them that they're going to lose the free zones. So it's, we, we kind of see how much these guys are depending on it. It's like, yeah, this, this is actually working for us. Why do we want to fuck this up to the extent that they're happy to encourage the, the shooter to go yeah, and to give himself in, to give himself in, which, yeah. which, which it does do. Yeah. And that, that's, what's interesting about this. It's like, it's again, it's, um, it's this new civilization being formed mm. or a new society with its own rules. And then anytime the rules are broken, they need to invent. It's, it's, this is, again, I've said it before, this is just Deadwood. Um, this is <laughs> the show West. Deadwood. It is. Because, and it's, it's civilization forming and Bunny has to um, come up with a way to deal with it, this problem. Um, and, and he does. And it works. Mm. You know, they've got their own little legal system. And they're all, you're, you're right. It's interesting what you say, like Stringer Bell weighs up whether this thing is worth protecting. Yeah. Bunny's making the same calculations. They're kind of partners in a way. <laughs> they are, they? absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everyone's a partner and it has to be, you have to be complicit in this to make it go forward. Yeah. And as, as you're saying, there's that fracturing between Herc and Carver. Um, Carver's, Carver's trying to maintain it and Herc is like, that's me done. And yeah. Yeah. And he, and he gets right on a payphone and calls the bald son. Yeah. Which is, I'm like, Dude, that's a dick move. I don't know. But from his point of view, it's the right move, right? Mm. I, as in, I think this, it's such an easy, it's, a, it's, such a, it's such a complicated situation, Amsterdam, that you can easily see both of them 
being right from their own point of view. Yeah. There is no easy right or There's wrong. No, not at all. Like, um, Herc, from Herc's point of view, you know, drug dealing is bad, drug dealers are bad. Mm. Um, and what they've created is something which is allowing that to run free. Yeah. And people being being are still being murdered. So as far as so he's it, concerned, the so experiment's over. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Um, so I kind I can kind of see his point of view as well. And he kind of weighs up. You know, he did wait quite a while, but to, before to before he made that call. To be fair, I think he gave Bunny his. You know, it, it this experiment him, went as long as it, it could. It did give him a lot of rope um, with which he's hung himself, I guess, in the mm. stage. Um, but I'm still like, I don't know. There's that chain of command thing, isn't there? Still, I feel I still I don't know. Maybe I just feel maybe I just yeah. feel because because it's Bunny. I feel that's like you, you can see there's a bigger picture here. But from Harris' perspective, he's a whistleblower. Not, yeah, right. And you know, yeah. and you can treat whistleblowers as you know heroes or, yeah. or or villains, and it all depends on your point of view. Well, I mean, we want whistleblowers to uncover some of the shit that's going on in, in governments and stuff like that. But from our point of view. From the wire, from my point of view, for the wire, Herc, you're a dirty rat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. I wouldn't have phoned it in either. <laughs> Amsterdam forever. <laughs> Team Amsterdam. It's funny, you know, teaching the class, uh, students all um, have their favorite characters or have their despised characters. You know, Herc is usually commonly one of the sort of prominent characters that people truly cannot stand. But in many cases, you know, can't, you know, if you when you watch the show and watch the moment in this particular episode, um, Herc is really responding off of some ethical issues. He's not like um, choosing to call from a grudge. Um, he's really sort of you know, you know, just thinking about just this idea of moving a dead body, um, trying to allow drug dealing to happen. Um, you know, and this is not to, you know, say a position on drug dealing one way or the other, but the point of the character, you know, um, Herc, you know, besides making these horrible choices as a, you know, as a police officer in, in general, you can sort of see him, you know, being not conflicted, but completely having an issue with, you know, this, he doesn't see this as policing. All right, let's check in with the Barksdale crew. Yeah. So we've got Jared and Sapper, our favorite idiotic hitmen, <laughs> um, hanging out outside a church. They found Omar. Yeah, was his this, grandmother. Was this their stakeout? Were they eating ring dings and cheez its as well, do you think? <laughs> I can only presume. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's standard stakeout fare. Isn't it is, it? isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's just a stakeout kit. Yeah. Um, they spot Omar coming yeah. out of church. Yeah. It's Sunday. They phone it in. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar with his grandmother. With his grandma, I know, right? Uh, he's, so, he's got such a big smile on his face. He loves the church with his grandmother, yeah. does our Omar. Do you know what I mean? He's there and he's happy to escort her in a, in a church crown. Yeah. Uh, in and out of the taxi to, to go to, you know, to worship. Um, and Jared and Sapper, they're like, oh, should, we, should we shoot at them? <laughs> should, we make, should we try and kill them? But, but like, okay, this is, this is what's so good about this because... The fact that Jared and Sapper even consider this, first of all, mm. shows that they are of a different breed to Cutty. And, you know, we saw that episodes ago when Cutty was working with them yeah. and watching them beat on that guy. And it was just like he ha- he has ethical boundaries, which they do not. Um, 
and they're a certain type of sort of almost nihilistic um violent almost they're almost like millennials without without any ethics do you think i i i kind of thought they were just a bit dumb <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. <laughs> they are just dumb. You're right. But they're also, but they don't have, they don't have a a code, right? No. And actually, and maybe this is interesting because they're they're coming up in an organization that's been led by Stringer Bell. True. Yeah. Who is really lacking in the old school sort of loyalty and codes and honor and 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 ethics. I say ethics. I mean street ethics. Mm. But like, but Barksdale wouldn't would not have signed that off. Avon would not have ever signed off a hit on a Sunday because it's a truce. Yeah, and it's I, I look there's a there's a sort of sweet simplicity to these there is, isn't nonsense it? rules. But they but they have their rules and and you don't break them. So and even within Deadwood there's there's laws. There's things are yeah. things don't happen on a Sunday. Some things are sacred. <laughs> um I I love how I don't know, they just they just seem if they weren't so dumb they could just think, okay, what I'm going to do, I know it's a Sunday, let's just follow the car, find out where Omar's grandmother lives, then maybe follow the car to Omar and then just pick it up on Monday morning. That's the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they weren't so dumb. Um, You've got to admire that they are also working on Sunday, just like the true. MCU though. True. Right? Yeah. That's they're, put, true. they're putting Everyone, in overtime. Everyone's, doing, everyone's yeah. working on Sunday, that's true. What's going on here? But they seem so happy when, I mean, long story short, they ring eventually uh, Stringer Stringer says okay are you sure it's him you know light him up but they seem so happy that they're shooting at both his grandmother and him and yeah. they're like they see the smile on the faces as, as, they're, as they're letting go of the trigger and you're like whoa guys they're they're, guys. Hot. they're, they're dumb and played for comedy but mm. they're also like quite like nasty and mm. obnoxious just the fact that they could do that yeah um, and they deserve they deserve what's coming to them absolutely yeah <laughs> but like the, the worst thing for for the Barksdales is that Stringer's there trying to make a calculated decision about like whether or not to sign off on this hit mm. in this moment and he says yes but if he had not done that then Omar would have probably Omar was like ready to leave the Barksdales yeah it was fine he'd seen the consequences of what him and his crew and his war with the Barksdales was costing yeah and he was ready to walk away, but then they fucking shot at his, him and his grandma on a Sunday. Yeah, I'm like, I get it, like Omar. I'm with you. Like, fair enough. They got him. They like he's gonna wage war with you now, Stringer, and you deserve it. But then, rightly, Kimmy says, you know, if you're going back with if you're going back after the Barksdales, I'm out because she's seen her best mate Tasha, her partner yeah. in crime, and they were doing perfectly well without Omar, and Omar's then steered them into direct line of fire with the Barksdales, and she's like, no, no, I've seen these guys work. They are bad. There's easier catches out there. You know, there's, there's bigger fish out there that's easier to catch. Um, so she dials herself out. And Dante tries to stick with Omar. But Omar, I'm quite glad he actually says, no, mate, you've, I need to go this alone. And Omar, Omar's got like more about him than Stringer Bell in mm, so many ways. Mm. Right. You've got to say like he's good to his people. He's he's loyal. Yeah. He's he's got a code and he's he's doing right by them. But he also is someone who can't let that slide and won't let it slide. No. Nah. Fair enough. Someone shoots at you going to church with your grandmother. With the best, ch- with the best church crown. <laughs> your lover church crown. I love right? it. I love, it. I love that phrase. <laughs> I love it. I think it's amazing. I mean, it's just like people was talking on us and all. And the story's getting bigger and bigger. 
Like, I swear to God, Fat Face Rick heard that our people went and shot Omar Granny in the ass on purpose and all that, and they pulled their dicks out, pissed on her crown and shit. Nah, I mean, I heard the same bullshit. Prop Joe gave me an airful, but yo, what can I say, man? Good help is hard to find. Yeah, if it wasn't, you think I'd be paying East Side niggas for shit? When it gets to the Sunday morning truce, you know, he, of course he's going to have their response. You know, um, it wasn't even a second guess, a second thought, right? Um, because for him, there was never a code to know. You know, for him, it was just making money to know, you know. Um, uh, and, and yeah, he's done that well. But, like, you know, even the brutality of Avon Barksdale stops at certain places, certain things, right? Um, and this is why, you know, we see this particular split. But the guys, the rest of the guys, you know, Avon and Slim Charles are not happy at all. They are just proper pissed off when they find out. Yeah. Uh, even like rinsing out Stringer Bell is like, dude, you know, this, this, this truce has been longer than like our, longer than we've been living. This truce, this Sunday truce has existed and you just blatantly disregarded it. It's bad for their reputation. Yeah. Which it's, is already on on the thin line with the with the co-op guys. Yeah, exactly. And this puts more pressure on on Stringer because if he can't control his troops and and Avon, they're going to buy him out of the package. They don't get they get the they have to go back to the crap drugs. They make less money. There's no upward mobility for Stringer anymore. Yeah. So it's all like it all. It's interesting. Falls it's, down. it's it's basically if you look if you think of it in like business terms. Like Stringer is Stringer is an accountant and he's a business guy, right? Like he's he's a he's a new business development manager mm-hmm. and an account manager and a, and a finance guy. He's kind of doing all those jobs. Whereas Avon is sort of head of brand and marketing yeah. in a way, in a way, right? He's our jobs. He, he does what we do. Like cuz he understands consumer perception mm-hmm. and competitors yeah. and um and brand and brand loyalty, right? He understands that he and his organization are a brand and have a reputation, and that has taken a huge hit today, mm-hmm. um, and won't survive. Like that, you can survive these kind these kind of not. It's a, it's a huge PR disaster, basically. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I'm equating them to a giant corporation, but they kind of are in a way. Oh, they are. They're I mean, a small business, or a medium sized business. I mean, B and B enterprises are. You know, they've got. A quarter of a million to give to to Clay Davis to try and well, yeah. get some uh, get some contracts in place. They're not a small business <laughs> no. at all. Um, just time back with the pressure that Stringer's under. He can't control Avon from, you know, a killing people point of view. <laughs> so the whole point of creating a new day co-op is to it's stop a HR that. disaster. Yeah, I mean, this is quite interesting because you have again tying the parallels back with with Stringer and Bernie Colvin. You've got Stringer creating a new day co-op to kind of legitimize things and get get things more clean, um, reduce the shootings from their level because that's, you know, if they're all working together, there's less violence, there's less murders, which is the th- main thing that draws the police to them. Yeah. If they, as we established quite early on, if they were just in the drugs, no one gets harmed, it'd be a different ball game for them. They'd be able to run, rule the roost a lot better. And, that, and they have been doing, but everyone gets released, things go to shit. Colvin on the other side is trying to clean things up by and reduce murders by legalizing drugs. So it's kind of again, there's another kind of parallel. There. You're so right. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. They're doing the same job. Yeah, they're both trying to reduce crime. Yeah, yeah. Well, not crime, but they're trying to reduce the murder rate. Mur- exactly. Yeah, 
um, and the co-op like it, what, what's been happening, but you know, the young buck Avon isn't playing ball, uh, and I, I kind of think that's fair enough. If you, if one of your, if one of your guys that you're working with, one of your business partners, is laying waste to all the good work you put together, you have to have a serious chat about it. Yeah. Um, I think we'll talk about more about that in in future episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so following the devastating finale of the last episode, we get a follow-up with Brianna, Avon's sister, coming to the funeral home. Mm. She confronts Avon and String about what McNulty told her, mm. that he thinks that D'Angelo was murdered. Now, what's interesting here is that the two of them, the two men are now protecting that secret from her, which I thought was really interesting. A, in that I thought this episode, I thought it was weird that this episode didn't address the big conflict at the end of of the last episode in any meaningful way. And that Avon now seems to be carrying on sort of business as usual, or he has accepted what Stringer did. Um, and is choosing to sort of sweep it under the rug and and just carry on with him as his business partner because he's sort of integral, I guess. And he's willing to lie to his sister because of it. Yeah. But he's also still put out that his sister could accuse him of doing that or having anything to do with it. Um, So it's, yeah, it's an interesting sort of situation he's in. Yeah, I kind of wonder what he's thinking at this stage. It's like fucking string has just shot my got my nephew killed um and i'm sure i think maybe at this point he's just thinking i don't want brianna to overreact until i understand fully what's happening i think that's in that kind of that kind of scenario you're probably just thinking i want to understand fully exactly how it played out because i think if, if anything if brianna if avon at this point says yeah it was string then <laughs> 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 i didn't do it uh you know it's that guy over there in that corner um I think there'll be interesting dynamics that happen as a direct result of what's going on. I think he's also seen the ten- so he's got attention of Stringer hassling him about the, the co-op and trying to keep the streets clean, um, and now he's found out that he's authorized a hit on his nephew, and now Brianna's here, um, who thinks there's foul play going on, and I think maybe in his head he's just like, "I'm honestly, mate, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but just can you give me some time? He's like, guys, I'm trying to wage a drug war here yeah, with exactly. Marlo. <laughs> Would you stop with all your nonsense? <laughs> it's interesting how this, I think this plays out. Right, that's it from us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be watching Season 3, Episode 10. It's called Reformation. Yes. It's a it's a big one. It's a big one. They're all big ones. Um, if you want to contact us in the meantime, guys, there's many ways to do so. We have our email address, producers at thewildstrip.com or burner at thewildstrip.com. Uh, do find us and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at thewirestripped. That's right. And as always, a huge thank you to Martin and Sam from the Song by Song podcast who wrote... Oh, they didn't write it, but they they did they covered uh, and performed the uh, version of Tom Waits' "Way Down in the Hole," which you're hearing right now. Yeah, thank you very much to Simon Devereaux who's done the artwork for this episode. You can find him at Devs Noodles D E V Z Noodles on Instagram. Uh, thank you to uh, our producer and rock Obi Joshua, who uh, is the the glue to this season. 
yeah, it's keeping things pushing forwards. Uh, ben Williams, also, thank you very much for your production support and editing. Uh, and of course, to Chief Glue, Super Glue, uh, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tom Wally, our series producer and editor. Thank you very much, Tom. Okay, that's it for this week, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production. 